You're listening to Divorce Literacy with the Divorce Lending Association, a divorce podcast where we dig deep into issues of divorce that center around the marital home, other real property, and divorce mortgage planning, helping divorcing homeowners and their divorce team make more informed decisions regarding home equity solutions during and after divorce. Hi, Jeff. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so I really appreciate you taking time to do this. And I think it'll be beneficial for everyone to, you know, kind of, you know, advance, you know, our area of collaborative. So just have a few questions for you. Um, feel free to add anything you want if I miss anything. But um, if you don't mind providing a little bit of background on yourself and your practice. So I've been practicing since 1991. Um, started out doing a little bit of everything, but mostly juvenile court law. Um, and that morphed into family law. And shortly after I started doing family law cases, I realized that the court system wasn't the best equipped to deal with, particularly um, families in tr tr transition, um, as they were... Uh, splitting households, trying to figure out parenting issues, uh, it just seemed to me like a square peg in a round hole with the court listening to the evidence and then telling parents how they were going to parent their kids. So right. um, fortunately for me, very shortly after the local collaborative group started, um, which I think back then was called Collaborative Divorce Professionals. It's it's morphed in its organizational structure since then. But um, I was invited to join, uh, and there were maybe, I don't know, eight attorneys um, back then. And this was probably in nine. I think the group started, when did it start? Maybe in the early 90s. And wow, then okay. I think it was like 93, 94, I was asked to join. So. Um, Something like that. I may have timing off a little bit, but um, it had only been around for a couple of years. I loved the concept, um, but uh, being just such a small number of attorneys involved, we were trying to figure out exactly how it all worked. Um, I don't know if you heard Linda Miller's presentation at the lunch the other day, but she was yeah. one of the founders. So wow. you know, it took a it took quite a long time for the group sort of to get its feed under it and figure out uh, best practices and protocols as to how um, credentialed the members should be, how cases should be handled. And it's kind of ebbed and flowed since probably the uh, early 2000s and, and um, getting going. So uh, now I think we've got a pretty consistent flow of cases. We've got, uh, we, we figured out um, how to bring in allied professionals such as yourself um, and, and neutral financial professionals to help with the balance sheet and cash flow issues, uh, as well as a um, neutral family coach to help with uh, communications at the table and, and outside of the process, as well as uh, help to develop parenting plans when needed. So um, what started out as a concept to help people uh, decide for themselves how they should best 
uh, handle their family matters um, really has grown into uh, a, a grander idea to help not only help them do that, but each case allows us to, to help them create a very customized plan for them to right. the extent that they want it or need it. So it's, um, uh, I tell everybody, if I had to go through a process, I mean, I've got kids, um, it, it would be that process because one, uh, the, the um, again, the custom, it's not a one size fits all. We start off with a template like the court does and all the terms of the shared parenting plan and separation agreement get jammed into it. Well, it allows the individual to have a little more input and control than if the court, and it really does take a team, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, um, for a long time, we didn't, we didn't know about the team concept. Uh, attorneys were doing it because attorneys handled divorce cases. So it wasn't until, and, and like most things um, in, in uh, our, our country, uh, the, um, I, I guess more the more creative thinking seems to start on the coasts and then find, you know, fly over land here. So uh, even though the collaborative uh, ideology itself started in Minnesota, so it's quickly. Oh, really? Yeah. Stu Webb is, was an attorney in Minnesota and had an epiphany one day that there had to be a better way better to do way. this. And he got a couple of other local attorneys to agree not to litigate which is really the cornerstone of the process mm-hmm. because everybody, you can't use that as leverage saying, well, if this doesn't work, we'll just file for divorce. Right. Um, so he he kind of fell into that early on and that really was the touchstone of the growth of the entire process. Um, and to your point, it's not that the parties have a little control. They control everything. Mm-hmm. They control the speed of the process. They control the decisions that that need to be made. Um uh, they control the information that they want or need um, because the attorneys really just shepherd them through the process. We right. know with the legal issues that have to be addressed, and we want to make sure that they get whatever information is needed for them to be able to make informed decisions. So, um, our we're not um, we're not wasting time like we do in litigation, arguing over information that needs to be provided or having hearings that you show up and you know, nothing happens or, you know, um, uh, ramp up the anxiety because again, litigation and depositions and all those um, horrible buzzwords that people have heard or seen on TV, you know, revolving around litigation. Um, The collaborative process is is, uh, uh, more informal in that we um, just meet and talk. Now we have an agenda for every meeting. So we know what, again, we know what needs to be um, decided and we just work through the agenda until there's an agreement on all the issues that need to be made. Right. So you've got a clear path, but if it needs to move a little, you're adaptable. Yes. So everybody gets the agenda. For example, in, in, in when, when a meeting is coming up, we've assigned tasks um, oh, nice. And usually, again, the attorneys will kick it off. So we've got a fairly standard first meeting agenda. But we send it out to everybody in advance of the meeting because there may be things that they want to address right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And as long as everybody's comfortable doing that, we're fine. I mean, we want we want to help them move through the process as fast right. as they're comfortable doing so. So, again, they can the parties control it. Right. And we're, we're um, like I said, we just we're along for the ride and we shepherd them. I like I like the word shepherd. I like that. Um, you know, obviously each divorce is unique and everyone goes on their, you know, individual path. 
But if you could give any heads up advice to someone just starting down this path, what would it be? Um, what I tell everybody that comes in for their initial consultation with me is something I heard a long time ago uh, when I started doing this type of work. And that is that at the time you decided to marry each other, that was probably the most important decision that you made in your life. Right, right. And there are alternative processes available to terminate your marriage. This is probably the second most important decision you've made and that which process you choose may dictate your future relationship with your soon-to-be ex-spouse. So um, keep that in mind as you're investigating it. And we we walk through all of those alternative processes. Um, you know, parent, people can sit down at the, at the kitchen table and negotiate an agreement on a paper towel. Um, people can hire attorneys to negotiate. You can go to mediation. Uh, you can even do arbitration for certain certain issues. Uh, and then we talk about the collaborative process and, and the divorce litigation process. They're all alternatives. They're available to everybody. Um, but, you know, again, I couch it in terms of which, which would you want for your family? Do you want to be able to have made decisions and control the entire process? Or, And again, it's not for everybody, right, but right. some people can't make decisions. Some people don't trust their spouse to to you've got be honest and forthcoming in the process, and they need the structure of litigation. Um, you know, if there's domestic violence going on, we can't do the collaborative process. We need immediate relief in court a lot of times to get restraining orders in place, or if somebody's starting to move assets, you know, we've got to put those protections in place to, right, right, right. to be able to do what needs to be done. But in most of the situations, that's not the case, and people do have the ability to choose an option other than litigation. And um, again, my my top recommendation is always the collaborative process, just because you get the um, experience of professionals that do what they do best. You get the attorneys that know the law. You get the family coach who helps with the communications and can handle the emotional piece. And then you get the neutral financial professional that handles the financial piece. Well, because there's three, there's those three components are in every divorce case. Well, and especially if you have children, you're going to have to continue to interact, you know, and so if you can go down this path and feel a little more comfortable, you know, with whatever communication you have in the future, that's helpful. Yeah. And the other thing is it really establishes that baseline that if, and you know, especially if you have young kids, things are going to come up um, in the, in the future. Um, but if you've litigated, it, it's like a 94% recidivism rate for running back to court for every thing that pops up after your divorce decree is granted. Um, the collaborative process establishes that baseline that, hey, we did this before. We can either go back to the neutral that we need help with. If it's a financial issue, we can just bring bring in the financial neutral. Or do we need to assemble the whole team? Or is it a parenting plan issue and we just need some help from our family coach. So right. um, it, it really, um, like I said, it kind of preserves that uh, manner of communication even into the future. And that's really the best thing you can do because the, the litigation process really, um, it, it, it it's adversarial. I mean, it's it, not that the cloud process isn't, but it's a lot less um, right, right. because of the team, the team approach and then the use of the neutrals. So 
you know, you're not arming up to do battle. We're arming up to make sure there's information provided to to make decisions and get agreements. So it's a yes. totally um, opposite product as compared to the, the divorce model. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, do you have one memorable case that you worked on? Um, and if so, what impacted you from it? I mean, you've been doing this a while. Yeah, actually, it's a case that... It, it's one that um, I tend to um, revisit and recite frequently, uh, only because um, because the collaborative process is, um, I'll say, so customizable. The parties are well advised of what the law is by their attorneys, but we tell them, you know, this is this can be an out of the box type of thinking process. So you're not bound by. Here's what the law says. For example, the law says the court, when you're dividing property, um, the court's supposed to divide things equally and if not equally, equitably. Um, And if you had inheritance received or separate property you brought into the marriage, as long as you can trace that, you get that back. It's not marital. So um, it, it is amazing in how many of these cases, though, particularly in the longer term marriages where people have had inheritances, for example, where... And this one particular case I had, um, I had a client that inherited a fairly substantial amount of money. And um, everybody kind of knew this was the white elephant in the room at the from the initial meeting on. And um, he, both parties were nearing retirement age. They had a, a, a decent-sized marital estate that was going to get divided, but um, the wife in that situation still felt really uncomfortable about her financial future. And without even talking to me, my client walked into the, I think it was our third meeting and said, um, wife, here's what, here's what I want to do. You and my mother were really close. And um, I think she would really want you to have some of this. And he just said, I'm going to just give you X. And you could just feel the relief in the room. And I mean, the case was over with, but that doesn't happen to litigation. Everybody is curving out what they can get, clawing, you know, back whatever they can trace. And it it never gets discussed. And I've had, um, I've probably had somewhere between a half dozen, dozen cases where that's happened, where somebody has said, um, either I had this premarital and I'm not going to worry about it. We're just going to split it. Or um, I got this inheritance and I'm going to give you X percent of it. Kind of it's the right thing to do instead of fighting, fighting. Yeah. I I don't know whether they're altruistic or moral. You know, they think it's a moral dilemma decision. Um, uh, And, you know, in a lot of these cases, too, they'll still say, you know, I I still love my spouse. I just can't be married to them anymore for whatever reason. So, um, uh, you know, they want to take care of them. And it, it, that doesn't happen. And I've never heard of it. I've never had a mediated case where that happened (laughs) because again, most mediations, the parties are advised by um, attorneys. And a lot of times those are litigation attorneys because you're in court and then you get referred to mediation. So they've already been advised, Hey, if I can prove my separate property, it's off the table and it's mine, but um, it's really, uh, it's kind of a, fascinating catharsis you see sometimes with with these couples who are splitting up and and still caring for each other and wanting to make sure they're uh, secure and comfortable in their futures. 
That's that's great. That's great. And I think the process really helps. Um, do you have anything else you want to share with me? And uh, well, I think you already touched on the you know the the fact that as far as um, co-parenting is concerned, how important it is that parents be able to communicate right. um, and have a manner of communication. Now, again, it's not perfect in every collaborative case either, but what we do is, is we allow them to establish the method that they're comfortable with. Some people just want to text or email. Right. Others want um, to talk every day about what happened with the kids and making sure they both know. So, you know, and it's everything in between. There's software available, you know, such as our family wizard where they, they, they keep a, a family calendar and everybody can input oh, and see what's going nice. on. And mm-hmm. you can um, see what uh, expenditures were made on behalf of the kids and then transfer money. Wow. To, to Yeah. So um, a lot of options. But a, again, it's just figuring out what their comfort level is and how much uh, they want to continue to be involved or not with each other um, as they co-parent. And the kids benefit by that because the kids aren't put in the middle. Right. As they right. are so often in litigation. So. And how many attorneys, I know Elaine is with you, how many attorneys do you have in your office? Three. Three, okay. And all three of us are members of the collaborative or local collaborative group. Wonderful. Okay, okay. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, take care. Yep, you too. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for listening to Divorce Literacy. Discover more strategies and solutions on divorce mortgage planning at divorcelendingassociation.com.